That's good. I want to welcome everybody and thank you for being with us. Thank you for prioritizing worshiping with your church family on this Christmas morning. Welcome to Access Church. It's good to have you guys here. We're looking forward to next Sunday. We're looking forward to next Sunday when they will be here with us as well. And actually, Hannah and the Access Worship team are going to be leading us in worship next Sunday morning. So I hope you plan on being here for that. Welcome to um, family members who aren't typically with us on Sunday morning, but came because it's what the family it's what the family's doing today. So uh, if if you are here as part of the the wise men traveling from afar, we we greet you this morning and thank you for being with us. Uh, the HRCC family knows that this is the third Sunday in a row that I've kind of preached on the same theme. So I'm going to do my best to catch everybody up. Um, we've been talking about the role that the Holy Spirit played in the Christmas story. If you think about a nativity scene that you might have at, at home or you, you see here or there, there's almost always, of course, the baby Jesus and there's Mary and Joseph. And then you get into like uh, options, right? Some nativity scenes have the shepherds, some have the animals, some have uh, the wise men, uh, some have an angel on top. But I've never seen a nativity scene with the Holy Spirit represented. Which is odd because as I read the Christmas story from Scripture, I'm compelled that the Holy Spirit was actually very, very, very involved and very, very present uh, on the night that Jesus was born. And yet we have no nativity scenes with him included. That being said, I recognize it would be hard to make a carving statue of the Holy Spirit. Like, what would that even look like? I don't know. But what we are doing is trying to, at least in our minds, reinsert him back into the story where he belongs. We talked, HRCC family talked about how the Holy Spirit is the one who guarantees the promises of God. He's also the Spirit who prepares us for the work of God. Now today I want us to see him as the spirit who proclaims. He is the one who proclaims the good news of God. There's a lot of proclaiming that goes on in the Christmas story. Uh, if, if you read the story about or the part of the story when Mary, who's already pregnant, goes to visit her relative Elizabeth, who's also pregnant, and the two of them meet for the first time in a long time. There's kind of this powerful encounter between the two of them, and the Word of God says that, that Mary begins to proclaim praises to God. Her first line is, my soul magnifies the Lord. Maybe you know that prayer by its common title, the Magnificat. She proclaimed it there. Uh, the whole Christmas story happens in Bethlehem, where it happens. Why? Uh, because Caesar Augustus proclaimed that a census should be taken. Uh, the angel that we read about proclaimed to the shepherds that today a Savior has been born to you. There's a lot of proclaiming that goes on in the Christmas story, but I believe the most important proclaiming came about because of the Holy Spirit. And here's how. Let's go back to Gabriel's first message to Mary, uh, where we first see Gabriel giving a message to Mary. You could read about it in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 31. Gabriel says this to Mary, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And a couple of lines later, Mary says, How will this be, 
Mary asked the angel, and the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So Gabriel is is saying to Mary, who's very young at this point, he's saying, you're going to have a baby. And in essence, Mary says, you know, I got to tell you, that doesn't sound right, because I'm not even pregnant. And the angel says, well, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is going to place a child in your womb. That's how this is going to happen. How did it come to be that, that Mary would be the one to give birth to the baby Jesus? How did that happen? Who was responsible for that? It was the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit. He's responsible for playing, placing Jesus in Mary's womb. So I want you to just track with me here. The Holy Spirit took something that came from God and he placed it within Mary so that she would give it birth. I keep saying something, but what is the something? It's, it's Jesus, isn't it? He took Jesus who came from the Father and he placed Jesus within Mary that she might give him birth. Now, how do we know Jesus throughout Scripture? Uh, One of the many uh, kind of pseudonyms that we use for Jesus, he is the Word of God. Can Can we say that again? The Holy Spirit took the Word of God and placed it within Mary that she might give it birth. That's what God does through his spirit. By his spirit, God places his word in us. Did you know that? By his spirit, God places his word in us. Now, this was actually a huge part of the message that the prophets had been proclaiming for for centuries. Right? God spoke through, we've talked a lot in recent weeks about the prophet Isaiah. And in Isaiah chapter 59, God says through the prophet, As for me, this is my covenant with, with them, with my people, says the Lord. Here's the covenant. Are you ready? My spirit who is on you will not depart from you. And my words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips. The words of the prophets promised that the Holy Spirit would come upon the people of God. And what would happen when the Holy Spirit came upon the people of God? He would place the words of God within them. And then here we have that happening in a way so literal that we probably wouldn't have expected it in the Christmas story. The Holy Spirit takes the capital W, the word of God, and places it within Mary. It's not just about that story back then, though. In so many ways, the Holy Spirit is still busy placing God's word in us so that we might give it birth, so that it might go forth from us, so that, could we use this word? We, we might proclaim it. That's what we do. When the word goes forth from us, we proclaim it. Jesus told his followers that when they were arrested for their faith and brought to testify, they shouldn't worry about what they were going to say. Why? Because Jesus said, because the Holy Spirit will speak through you. Why? Because he's the spirit that proclaims. The New Testament tells us that when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit will speak God's words through us in ways that we don't even understand. Why? Because he's the spirit who proclaims. 
I want you to understand that when you read your Bible, when you read the words of God, you're not just storing up God's words in your brain so that you'll be smarter. It's not a book like other books. With other books, when we read them, the goal is to get the words that are in the book into our brains so that we will know more, right? But that's not how the Word of God works. It's important to know your Bible. It's a good idea to have portions of it memorized and ready to go, but not so that it can live in your brain. It's so that it can live in your heart. When you read God's Word, you can trust that something different is happening. The Holy Spirit is taking those words of God and placing them within you so that, just very much like Mary did, you might give them birth so that he might proclaim them through you. By the Spirit, you are the herald of God's good news. After Mary heard from the angel, as I said earlier, she rushed over to visit her relative Elizabeth, who was also pregnant. And look at what happened when Mary finally arrived at Elizabeth's house. I'm going to read to you still from Luke chapter 1, but now in verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. There he is again. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you, Mary. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Now, we believe, according to what the Bible says, that when the Holy Spirit fills us, he often empowers us to speak to speak words from God, words that we wouldn't have otherwise known to speak. And I want to just suggest that that's exactly what happened to Elizabeth in that moment. She probably wasn't sitting at home waiting for Mary to show up thinking, you know, when she gets here, you know what I'm going to say to her? I'm going to say, blessed are you among women and, and blessed is the child you will bear. That's probably not the plan that Elizabeth had in that moment. She was probably busy doing other things. I don't know what she was doing, but she probably didn't have that line scripted out. But all of a sudden, Mary shows up, the doorbell rings, Elizabeth takes out her phone because she had the Ring Doorbell app, and she looked, and she, oh, it's Mary, and she goes to greet Mary, and Elizabeth suddenly, I believe unexpectedly, is filled with the Holy Spirit, And all of a sudden, she's saying things that she hadn't otherwise planned on saying. She's she's pronouncing blessings over Mary. And she's pronouncing blessings over Jesus. She immediately begins speaking. And actually, she's not just speaking. The verses I read said, in a loud voice, she exclaimed. That's not just speaking, is it? That's not just talking. In a loud voice... She exclaimed, could we use the word proclaimed? She starts proclaiming blessings, God's blessings upon Mary and upon Jesus. Isn't that just like God? God is a God of blessings and he uses his Holy Spirit to proclaim them. By his spirit, God pronounces blessings. I remember preaching about blessings several years back. And I said at that point, I think it's still true. I think in our culture, we don't have a very good idea of just how important and powerful blessings are. Think about it. In this world, if somebody says, God bless you, 
99 times out of 100, that means somebody just sneezed, right? God bless you means go for a Kleenex because he might have a bug on his finger, right? That's what God bless you means in, in our world. But we've lost sight of the fact that, that blessings aren't just words. It's not just something you say. In ancient cultures, they had a much better understanding of this. Like in Bible times, read the stories of the Bible. People would go to unimaginable lengths just to receive a blessing, especially, especially if that blessing came from God, because they knew that it's not just words. There's power behind a blessing and there's power behind God's blessing. But you know what? We don't need to do all the crazy things that they do in some of those stories in order to get God's blessing. We just need the Holy Spirit. Because by his spirit, God pronounces blessings. That's what's going on here. So let's move the story all the way up to the night that Jesus was born. Uh, what happened then? I would say you already know because Kat read this story, but I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> and so I'm going to read, reread, but directly from the Bible this time. Luke chapter 2 beginning in verse eight, some of the most memorable verses in the Christmas story. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, maybe you're already on to me. Maybe you're already saying, nice try, Dan. I read every single word of that passage with you and not once did it mention the Holy Spirit. Way to try to slip that in there. Turn this into a Christmas, Christmas message. What are you trying to pull? I'm on to you. Maybe I'm a little paranoid this morning. I don't know. You decide. Well, if that's where you're at. You're absolutely right. This passage that I read never once uses the word Holy Spirit. It never directly references the Holy Spirit. It never tells us in quite so many words that the Holy Spirit is involved in this little scene that's taking place that's so important to the Christmas story. But would you indulge me for just one more moment this morning while we go back and take a closer look? What did that angel say? He said, don't be afraid. Why? Because I'm bringing you good news. Good news. Where have we heard those words before in respect to the promised arrival of Christ? Well, it was in the words of the prophets. Again, Isaiah, who, who does so well at pointing us in this direction in chapter 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news. HRCC, if, if you studied with us two weeks ago, you remember that when we talked about the, the spirit that promises, one of the things that we noticed in these prophecies that have been going on for hundreds of years is time and time again, the prophet said, there's going to come a time 
There's going to come a time when finally, after all that you've been waiting for, there will be good news. And you'll know it because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so is it an accident that the very first thing the angel says to these shepherds who were just trying to get their job done that night is don't be afraid because I have come to give you, wait for it, good news. Oh, I'm not quite done. What else did the angel say? Well, he said, you know, to go find this good news, you're not going to go to Downers Grove. You're not going to go to Glen Ellen. You have to go to the town of David, which they would have known was Bethlehem. But such an interesting turn of the phrase, town of David. That was precisely the spot that the Holy Spirit had told the ancient prophets to look for the Messiah, the Savior. Oh, and speaking of that word Messiah, the angel also says, when you get there, you're going to find the Messiah. Well, that's kind of right on the nose, isn't it, right? We're no longer giving hints. We're telling exactly what's going on. When you get to the town of David, you're going to find the Messiah. We already talked about that word in the last couple of weeks, didn't we? What does Messiah mean? The Messiah is the one who had been anointed by the Holy Spirit to do God's work. The passage I read never exactly says this, but I think you can imagine the shepherds kind of hearing all of this and going, sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty good, but how can we be sure? But before they even ask it, the angel says, and I'm going to give you a sign. I'm going to give you a sign. For centuries, the prophets had been reminding God's people that the Holy Spirit doesn't just promise. He doesn't just make promises with empty words. He sends signs to guarantee his promises. Maybe you remember as it pertained to the promise that one day the good news would finally come. There was a very specific promise that God had given. It was the promise that the Holy Spirit would be outpoured in new, fresh, unexpected ways. Remember the prophet Joel saying, in those days I will pour out my spirit on all people. I just think that the words that the angel spoke to the shepherds that night, if we'll listen to them, with ears attuned to what God is saying. Those words uh, include hint after hint after clue after clue that the angel is saying, as angels often do, I am not speaking of my own accord. I didn't come here to give you my message. I came to give you God's message. The angel is basically saying, I'm here to give you the good news that the Holy Spirit has been promising for centuries. The Holy Spirit has been preparing God's people for. The Holy Spirit is behind this angel proclamation all along. In other words, by his spirit, God proclaims good news. Followers of Jesus, let me ask you this. Do you want to be an effective witness to the good news? Is it your desire that God would use your testimony to proclaim the gospel to a lost world? The Holy Spirit can accomplish that in your life. Generation after the birth of Jesus, the Apostle Paul, is he, he's that mouthpiece, isn't he? 
isn't he? He's, he's anointed by the Holy Spirit, and he's going out, and he's proclaiming the good news to the known world. And in his letter to the Romans, it's not included in your notes, but you could, you could scribble it down if you want to check this out later. Romans chapter 15, verse 19. The Apostle Paul makes it very clear how he's able to be this mouthpiece, this proclamation of the good news. He says, it's through the power of the Spirit of God that I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It's through the power of the Spirit of God that I fully proclaim the gospel of Christ. We talk often in the church about kind of our responsibility to be heralds of the good news, to be the the witnesses of the good news, to be the ones who say, Christ is born, God has come near, Emmanuel, God with us. This is the message that we want the world to know. How are we going to share it? How are we going to proclaim it? How are we going to tell it? I believe the story itself gives us only one answer to that question. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, we need His Spirit today. Amen. Amen. We need His Spirit today. I want to ask you to stand and we are going to pray to that end together. Holy Spirit, we need you. We, the people of Jesus, proclaim today that it is by his spirit that we have our being. We echo the words of ancient prophets with this immense task before us, with the responsibilities of life in front of us. We are not going to be successful by our strength, or by our power, but by the Spirit of God. And so I pray for my brothers and my sisters in this room today. Lord, I pray that you would anoint us by your Spirit. I pray that especially during this Christmas season, as we gaze into the nativity scene, of course our eyes go immediately to our Lord and our Savior, Jesus found in human flesh, wrapped in cloths, and lying in a manger. But Lord, I pray as we do so that our minds would be reminded of the power by which that happens. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that our theology would be right, that we would not see Jesus without also seeing the Spirit. I pray that we would not claim to know the Gospel, but that we also know the Spirit. I pray, Lord, that we would not presume to speak your words without recognizing that it is by your spirit that we proclaim them. And so on this Christmas morning, we pray together. We pray that your spirit would come and empower us and anoint us and baptize us. We pray it in the name of our Savior, Jesus. And everybody says, Amen. 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 HRCC, thank you for worshiping together. I have one more announcement. Before you go, before you go, there are presents under the tree. There are red and white boxes here, and we would like everybody who's here to worship together today to take a present with them. 
as just uh, a blessing from your church family. So if you are a boy or a girl who did not go to kids' church today, your job is to make sure that nobody leaves until they've got a present from under the tree. And if you don't want one of the kids bringing you a present, you come and get one for yourselves. Be blessed, have a Merry Christmas, and we'll see you next Sunday.